What's up, disc golfers? Welcome to episode 67 of the Disc Golf Podcast. My name is Robin, and alongside me, my longtime friend, avid disc golfer, Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to join the podcast. I've been been waiting for so long. As always, my favorite weekly guest who has joined me every week so far in this podcast. It just has been so good that I have continued to bring him on the show. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. I really really appreciate it. It, You know, your performance has shown merit over the episodes, and I really see no reason. I think I should keep you on full time. I'm in. I'm, I think Wait, I can make that work. Let's make it official. From now on, I am no longer the sole host of the Disc Golf Podcast. This is a two-person joint podcast hosted by Joe and Robin. I really hope I don't screw this up. Great. I, I think you got it. I think you got it. Sweet. Now, this is an extremely late podcast to which we owe our listeners a huge apology because we... We have good reason. We have good reason. We have been pretty good about releasing a podcast every single week, and we are now recording essentially five days late of when we would normally record, and this podcast will be released at best tomorrow morning. Which will be Tuesday. Which will be Tuesday. So, Well, if we're just super awesome throughout, then maybe we'll get up tonight. Who knows? Six total days late. But overall, there is so much disc golf action to talk about i'm not too bummed about it because we have the beaver state fling to wrap up which was all kinds of exciting and we have worlds that is basically starting now at least the 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 kind of auxiliary events associated with it are starting uh, at this point so we have so much disc golf we've split this now into two we're going to talk beaver state fling in this episode and we're going to recap what was an amazing weekend that we had at De La Viga Disc Golf Course. And Golden Gate Park. And Golden Gate Park over Father's Day La. I mean, Father's Day. Right. Our, our, well, we call it Father's Day La. That's, our annual that's kind of the thing. Where, our annual pilgrimage where we go down to De La Viga Disc Golf Course in Santa Cruz, California on the Father's Day weekend. As Joe and I are both both dads, and and uh, we love that very much, and we jaunt down there and and play around it at De La Viega, and we call it Father's Day La. Yep. So this time we were just delighted to be joined by a bunch of listeners and friends. Totally. And had a pretty good group to the point where we didn't quite get a whole round in. We not only did we not <laughs> quite get a whole round in, but we couldn't really like hang out with anyone. I know. We. Uh... So just note note to selves, like we need to start at like eight o'clock. Yeah, nine thirty was way too late to. We need to, to budget rolling. more time. We had done the nine thirty start in previous years when it was just a few of us, and next time we need to get out there and and get started at eight in the morning, something like that. Totally, maybe even earlier. And it turned right? out there was a, a next gen like uh, qualifying Qualifier, tournament yeah, yeah. that was there that wasn't a ton of people, but that's still enough running around. They also weren't playing the holes in order. Yeah. So there, you had people kind of jumping in and out. Playing, they were playing like six at a time, pretty much, yeah, like little spans of six, and then moving specific around. holes. Um, so there was there was definitely that too. But we had a an absolute blast meeting everyone, and uh, there's actually I played with most everyone. There was a couple of people I met uh, 
for the first time, and then we uh, met up with Jeff Faze at Golden Gate Park. Right, that was a ton of fun playing playing Golden Gate uh, Friday night. And he gave us some plastic to to review from MVP. One of which I may or may not have thrown into thrown into a bum hollow. Yeah, a a a bad bush. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Faze. So we have we have we would have had more, but we we've got a couple. Totally, we've got and and they're they're it's they're cool discs. So that that was a, a good time, and we uh, we ended up running down. So we're in the north northern California, North Bay, about, about an, an hour, hour north yeah. of San Francisco, and we drove down on Friday night and played uh, Golden Gate Park on Friday evening, and then uh, ran down to Santa Cruz and stayed in a hotel and got up and hit De La Viega in the morning on Saturday with a bunch of people. I think our crew was like thirteen deep. We had some people from yeah. Sacramento. Yep. Had some people from San Francisco. Had had some people from from NorCal. So we're yep. We, we had pretty multiple Sonoma. Pretty pretty good little group. We've uh, we've said it a few times. I think in the last few episodes, but we've definitely took way too long. But definitely got one of our good buddies super hooked. Yeah, like he's 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 addicted now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think he's actually played Daylight with us before, but it was like the single disc. I'm the tomahawk everything, and like just get trashed and this time he was totally trying and how do you play Dela? i don't think spencer had ever been to oh no he didn't make it no. for you no no he didn't so he hasn't no. so yeah so but it was great for him to come out so early in his disc golf life his true disc golf life to get to play Dela. yep and he did well everyone did. did well everyone everyone did really well we were we were very happy except for me i i was well you did better than me so i was pretty pissed all around about about both parts of my game but that's okay right um and i'll say it right now i did not three i five no you almost did though i know that like you so really cool. almost did yeah joe uh, so joe has mentioned probably more times than we care to even count that he three i five and uh this time he came. I want to say like two inches away from doing it again, but instead of a putt, this time it was like a two hundred and twenty foot skip up shot, right? With a, with a thunderbird from out in the fairway. So that's like so. that's exact because I remember the time that I did it right. Um, so when I did it right, I had a good drive down lane, and then I did a very similar skip shot with a thunderbird to get mm-hmm. in the circle to get my three. The difference this time is I put it into the tree on the right off the tee pad yeah. and then had to forehand out and then threw a skip shot after that yep. that almost went in. Yeah. And I had a, a more traditional line. I, I took the hyzer line and, and faded into the trees. I faded a little bit early and had to throw a thumber on my shot, uh, on my second shot, which gave me a, a semi-obstructed putt for three, which I did not convert. So that was But that still, was a, a four on I-5 is, is par. Yeah, I agree. I, a know, very good par. I, yeah, I I will take a four on that hole every single time. Definitely, and not complain. I'd like to get a three. Um, I don't see a two in the cards. Unless no, something crazy. Yeah, that's happens. not gonna, that'll never happen. I mean, I suppose similar me. to what happened to you with your with your your third shot could happen. To me, where, that's where, true. where I land in the spot where your your third shot was, and 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 have that sort of shot. Yeah, that's, that's really the only right. way that I'm. There's no way I'm putting for two. Yeah, because I think the spot that I threw my third shot from is totally a spot that we could 
get yeah, to on a on a, on drive. a drive. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's it doesn't take an absolute crush to to get to the opening of right. It's an absolute crush section. to get there and then get into it. Yeah, it's the crush is driving all the way out that distance and then getting your disc to skip another hundred feet or hundred and twenty five or hundred and fifty feet into the forest and not hit a tree. Right. And then leave you with an unobstructed putt in an area that is full of things that will get in your way. Yeah. So But no, it was it was a great time. I my my putt game is real bad. It's time for me to do some some working on those putts. Uh my drives were decent. I had more than my fair chance of, of birdie runs that I did not convert. Yeah. But it was an awesome course. Had a ton of fun. I, uh, yeah. Like anytime Real you blast. can finish your day with top of the world, you, you had a good day. It would have been nice to have a little bit more time. So we could have done lunch or something with everybody afterwards, but, uh, we kind of hit our time limit and had to, had to text some people and bounce. So, and we'll, we'll, was, we'll budget our time definitely we'll, better. We'll do a better job year. of that. that because it's, time. I mean, this was year three, I believe, for you and I. Yeah. And uh, I, it's, it's going to continue. Yeah. Like, there's no way we're not going to keep it rolling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was so much fun. And getting to play both of those courses in back-to-back days was, was awesome, regardless of, of the, the brutal scores. And you know what? Daylight has some teeth. And oh, yeah. You, you, can, you can have a good day out there, but... But man, that course is designed to just just rip your heart out, right? Well, one of the guys we played with uh, played Golden Gate with us, mm-hmm. then played Daylaw with us, then he played Black Mouse, and then the next day he played Golden Gate again. Like I don't think, I don't think I could have made. I don't even know if I could have made another course after Daylaw. I definitely could not have. I don't think played Golden Gate. With any arm strength or uh, my legs underneath me that following day. I mean, that could have been alcohol related, but I I tend to agree with I you. I don't know. I I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we had to get back and spend time with our families for actual Father's Day, which uh, was was really great. Actually, we had bigger plans. We were thinking of going to like the beach or something, and I was like, nope, I can't drag a wagon over the sand. We're oh yeah, <laughs> we're chilling. <laughs> I went to and the, it just turned out to be like one of the hottest days it was in, in Northern California. It was we've awful. had the, thus far this year, so it was brutal heat. And we went to the Academy of Science, and I walked around for another three hours. Damn, yeah, you worked it. Yeah, yeah. but it was fun. And then got home, and air conditioner and fans did nothing. Yeah, yeah, it was it was hot. No, it was one of those those. So we had in in California out here, we had like 100 plus degree temperatures all over the place. And it's one of those things where if you don't keep the house cold from minute 1 of the day, you're done. Like you're Oh yeah. No air conditioner is keeping up with it and keeping the place cold. You had to keep it cold and and start early. Like flip that thing on at 8 in the morning, have the house open all night long, get it cold. But I mean, I was out the other night at like 10 o'clock at night or 10 30 at night taking trash out or something like that and it was still like 90 degrees right no i'm so happy today so. uh is already better at night like it was better when i got here for the podcast than yep. it was in the middle of the night last night yeah there is definitely no uh you know sophisticated ventilation system in the disc golf podcast shedio oh well yeah but we're doing fine so but yeah but we're not looking for anyone to uh play the violin for us because 
even though it was like 105 plus, it still was like only 20% humidity. So shade is actually shade and does something. Yep. So I can't be too upset. All right. I'm going to take this opportunity to recap our episode coming up to give you a little pre, not a recap, but a preview of what's uh, coming up. A precap? A precap? Something like that. We're, (laughs) we're going to talk about the Beaver State fling and, uh, go over the results, the exciting results that came down to a playoff, which, uh, you know, at this point... Shouldn't is, have gotten there, but... It shouldn't have, really, it is actually the truth. We're going to talk about Paige Pierce and her dominant performance at the Beaver State Fling. A dominant isn't even strong enough a word as, as to how well she played, to be honest. Uh, we're going to talk about our picks, because there was an exciting change in, in our picks this year that... That was right, like Paige, different, Paige finished the tournament and we got that than, pick right. Good job, us. <laughs> different than any other week that's happened before. We have our deer review, our world-famous disc and beer pairing where we take a disc, we take a beer, we review them both and tell you whether you should bring it on the course. Tonight we have the Latitude 64 Ballista along with Sierra Nevada Hop Hunter. So like a ballista is like a bow and arrow? It's like a giant bow. I mean, it's I don't. I guess it could be used for hunting like a um, crossbow, like type, dragons, type or oh, yeah, okay. like it's a it's a large like a, crossbow, like a large crossbow. So like a hunter would possibly use that. Yeah, got it. Sure. I did. I kill it. Did I make it worse? No, it's fine. Okay. I mean, it works. Right. Um, and we could get the beer, and the disc is pretty cool. So. So we also will talk little tidbits about worlds here and there but we are going to record another episode in a couple of days here where we will do a full-on worlds preview give our picks for that and this is not going to happen in this episode right so if you came here for worlds and you you were expecting it just listen again in a couple days it'll be here soon yeah we promise which has been uh... which has been the kiss of death on this podcast but we feel with worlds coming up that we can make it happen and that it will happen. Yes. Right? right? I believe so. Great. So, let's get right into the Beaver State Fling. This was, number one, our bucket list course of all courses. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. In Estacada, Oregon, with Milo McIver. You have the East and West courses, beautiful redwood forest. You got you got Ewoks hiding in the ferns while disc golf is going on. It's easily one of the most beautiful courses. It's manicured. They have those awesomely mowed fairways, and they have the rough that's clearly defined. The visual experience on this course in the footage was just amazing. This is probably one of the best-looking courses that we will ever see on the tour in any given year. It right, just right. always looks great. And it's always beautiful and green. They got that, that yeah. rain rolling year round. And people spend a ton of time, obviously you can see it from the footage, making it look great. And it shows. It really does. So that part is amazing. Now, yeah, we had we had a, a listener uh, message us on Facebook and say that we've got a place to stay if we go up. Um, We'll take it. Yep. I, I, already, I already replied yeah. and said, yep. Uh-huh. Gonna happen. Gonna happen. Okay. That sounds great. We'll, we'll do it. 
Yeah. I don't know I who think, you are, listener, but thank you and I love you. Like, don't kill us in our sleep and we're good. Yeah. Like, what, I mean. <laughs> what if it's like a misery situation where where we we get locked in a cabin and are forced to record episodes or they'll Well, you're our, like the, you're like the more ankles. handsome one, so I feel like he'll go for you first and I'll just bounce. But that's not, that's not, well, as long as you go get help and and I don't. Yeah, yeah. And I don't get a four would by never, four put between I would never just and, want, you know, the podcast you know. to be just mine. That'd yeah. be a crazy thought. <laughs> I don't like this. It's not going in a great direction. We've talked about this before. There's no way I could do it by myself. God, would... talk about one of the most brutal scenes in in cinematic horror oh. is is that sledgehammer scene in Misery. Oh man, that just oh, I die. I don't think that's gonna happen. I, <laughs> I don't think we have to dwell on that. So please, listener, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> don't do that. We will record. a podcast for you without that yes <laughs> i mean that still would be weird though. i don't know if i want to just <laughs> yeah. record a podcast just for you but i guess like whatever it All is right. what it is fair enough i mean if it avoids it i'd i'd be fine so beaver safeling this was a an event that going into it and or not going into it but as the event started and the round started to roll out so this was four rounds for the beaver safeling paul Macbeth essentially led wire to wire until the very until he didn't until he didn't yeah this tournament came down to a two-hole playoff where ricky waisaki prevailed in the second playoff hole uh carding carding a bird where where paul could not and really the biggest story of all of this is that there was some extremely Sloppy play by Paul Macbeth. There was. It was just, just Paul Macbeth missing putts that we just don't. It's one thing we get kind of spoiled by some of the putts that these guys make on a regular basis and go, oh, man, Paul missed that 40-footer. He should have made that. But there were some 20-footers that were missed and some 25-footers that were airballed. And then airballed coming back from said yeah, airball, which just, I'd, I've never – I can't remember a time seeing Paul – Airball and then airball the comebacker. I mean, it really just shows what an amazing putter he is because right. we're just not used to seeing that. It was very, very uncharacteristic. And Rick didn't, ex- I mean, he made some huge, huge putts that that propelled him to this win, but he missed some too. And he did. He, he gave Paul every opportunity to just kind of go away and hide and take this win. And he just couldn't quite make it. To, like it's all, it's basically in all honesty if Paul would have played his final round laying up anytime he was like at circle's edge yeah he would have he would have won the tournament outright I mean easily there there was there was at least two airballed putts that he you know had a long comebacker for one of which he missed yep and and it just well was, that one right there like that would not, have been that, it. that would have been enough and even on hole 18 he had a chance to close out the tournament from i don't know maybe 35 40 feet which is which is a long putt for the rest of us mortals but for Paul Macbeth to win a tournament we count that i mean we, he makes those yeah well so and then he quickly i think even the day after the tournament or maybe 2 days after he put out a message that the straddle is gone yeah which i mean 
in in 2015 when it was just Paul McBeth and then everyone else, he was not a straddle putter. Yeah. Um, I think his back and, and knee problems caught, like pushed him to move to a straddle because it's better for his body. But, you know, if his body's healed and he can go back to, you know, old Paul, um, I'm excited. That's yeah. the thing because he's still one. He's still – it's still him and Ricky and, and then everyone else after that. But since he moved to the straddle putt, he has not been the same putter no. he he was before. No, I agreed. And I'm sure he's getting tired of hearing about Rick being the best putter in the world too. I mean, but he is. I mean, all right, conspiracy theory. Did Paul McBeth lose on purpose to fuel his world's comeback? Um, I mean, come on. I know he's too competitive to ever lose on purpose, but... No. <laughs> I think it's. I mean, I think he it'll he'll use it as fuel. But it's like uh, when I let you get a birdie uh, on hole ten, or I get a bogey on hole ten at Taylor. So you're the first one to throw uh-huh. into the headwind, Got so it. I can understand. Got it. You know what the wind looks like. So so you know, Paul just, just Paul really just wanted a little extra motivation going into world. So he maybe doinked a putt or two just to just to keep things interesting. Right. That's what you're saying. Yeah. No, I'm not alone. Yeah, he he lost. He he. So you always hear about like, did did Ricky win or did Paul lose it? Mm-hmm. Like like Paul lost it. But he did. I Paul agree. lost it. I agree. Unfortunately, and I know that from everything we've seen of Paul, there is not a chance in the world that he wasn't trying to win and make every single putt, and. And he unfortunately just just missed some of them. I mean, he and Rick really did make some gigantic putts. He had that eagle that was probably from a hundred feet. He yeah. makes the, he makes an eagle putt from I don't know eighty or ninety feet, and he makes it. That's that's an approach shot for me. Like I'm standing in an approach stance, and I'm I'm throwing a putter on an approach type line, and Rick is still in his kind of straddly putting stance, throwing up. A perfect, perfect Heiser putt into the chains for Eagle. And Paul had a chance to answer from closer. I mean, he was a good 40 feet closer. He was probably had a 50-foot putt or something like that. I know. And just chained out. I know. And and even from there, you think that's a momentum swing. But but Rick had some troubles going past yeah. that too. And, and Paul ended up going up by a couple of strokes. And then they ended up tied. On the last hole, because Paul Paul uh, ended up bogeying on a kind of bad uh, bad out of jail shot, I guess you'd call it from from the bushes, and didn't quite give himself a good enough putt, and and there you have it. So I mean, really, just just a decent approach game on the 18th hole, and and Paul comes away with the win. Yeah, but he just kind of little forehand roller putt out of the bush. And couldn't quite get it around far enough to give himself a better putt. And that was it. Yep. And then yep. they're off to a playoff. Right. And then so, obviously, we already said that uh, Rick won it. But I think aside from that, a real cool thing about this tournament is a lot of young guns. Yeah. A lot of young guns doing work. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna put him in that category, too. We don't talk about him that much. He's a, he's a local to us, but... James Proctor is a young guy. 
He's a young guy, and he he had he put together two really great rounds at the yeah. end of the tournament to get himself fourth place. He did. Um, Anthony Barella put a, together a great three days until the final day, and then yeah. Eagle came in second. It was really good to see Eagle be an Eagle again. And if you watched his in the bag, I don't know if you did, but I watched it. I did, yeah. And he basically was just like, I like threw away. Basically, he gave away all of his discs from Kona Peach Day. That was one of the stranger things I've ever yeah. seen, I think. I, You know, I don't know. I mean, I get it. He wanted to kind of get a fresh start and stuff like that. But he had some, some pretty important plastic. And I don't know that just physically changing the disc actually. I think it really was a mental thing because he said something. Um, I forget which disc he was talking about a disc and he was like, when I throw this, uh, it makes me either love or like disc golf again. So him making that like comment made me think that he's like, wasn't happy with his life choices or happy, you know, being on tour playing. Interesting. So, um, you know, sometimes we talk about it all the time, like mental, is a bigger part of the game than huge, anything else. Huge, huge. And I think, you know, it was like a cathartic experience to be like, here's all my discs. I'm going to start fresh. Like the discs are fresh. I'm going to start fresh. I think his uh, health is better and that mental and physical. Yeah. And that was just part of his kind of. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go out and say this. Somebody came up on some second run FDs. Oh, yeah. So. Whoever that person is, you lucky son bitch, because there was two of them, I believe, in his bag, and those are like some of the most prized disc mania right, discs you know what? out there. There was something that we didn't talk about. I know just because you brought that up, something we didn't talk about with Father's Day Law. Mm-hmm. But I just want to take a step back. Uh oh. Um. Uh oh. So one of our awesome listeners and Slack users, Drunk on Tacos, sent me. A uh, max weight glow FD, which Robin bought all of them from Infinite, so I couldn't I get did. one of those. Um, and he like dyed them all, so they're all cool. So they're like, I have them stacked away for future use. Right, except he like dyed a couple, basically like forest scenes, and can't actually ever throw them. Yeah, it's gonna be bad. Once, yeah, once I get to them, I made a mistake on color choice. Let's put it that way. But so anyway, so I've I've shot away from the FDs forever. Um, I bought one and I bought like an S line, like a max weight S line. And it was just, I d- it didn't work for me. And I think even uh, Simon has said like the newest run of S line are like pretty understable. And it was pretty understable. So I did throw a few weeks back Robin, one of Robin's max weight glow discs and uh, it worked. So I threw it at De La and I had some very good pumps with the glow FD uh, first time I brought it out, first time it was ever in the bag, and I am positive that it will stay in said bag. It's an excellent choice. One of my favorite discs of all time. I threw it almost as much as I threw my Trespass. I, I've not been shy about saying that the FD is the best fairway driver ever made, and I won't shy away from that in the future. And and I might, I, I, I probably can jump into that, because I, you know what, in all honesty, I think I pulled out... A T bird one time, mm-hmm. and I threw an FD. We just use them totally different, mm-hmm. not totally different, but in the situations that I would throw a T bird, I pulled out an FD, and you use it for all well, sorts think, of different things. I think as as you get more comfortable with it, uh, you'll start to see use in the more understable S line versions 
uh, that you can get some different lines with, and it's just about learning the disc. But and that's what I used. It. I it, mean, I used it more. I don't mean to throw shade on these other fairway drivers out there. It's just I I've thrown them all. I I, <laughs> I don't mean to throw shade, but they suck. <laughs> Good enough, D. I I it's a speed range that I utilize more than any other in terms of like the six, seven, eight speed discs. That's really where I live most of the time, and. It, the versatility that it gives with the glide and the, a little bit of turn, and then it also still can have some re- reliable fade with the the champion and or especially the glow version right. ones that I have. Uh, so, so I'll say that right now, been, like if you're turning over FDs, if you're like I was afraid of them for a long time just for the turnover factor. Um, glow is definitely the savior for me if you can find it. If which which Robin bought all of them from Infinite and then. Uh, Wally, the guy drunk on tacos, bought all of them from wherever he bought his. So they're not that easy to find. Yeah, but I got one. So yeah. thank you, and I'm happy. Yeah. Well, let me let me uh, get get us back to Beaver State. Plan. Sorry, I felt like and that I'm needed gonna, a. I'm gonna run down the results quick... real quick. So in first place at 28 down, and and he's tied with Paul McBeth in in this category. But but there's the playoff hole. So Ricky Wysocki prevailing in the playoff at 28 down Paul McBeth in second place also 28 down and Eagle Eagle McMahon taking third place at 25 James Proctor taking fourth place at 24 down Paul Uliberry taking fifth place at 20 down and then we have a three-way tie for sixth place with Philo Brathwaite Nate Doss and Steve Rico. That's like the old school trifecta right there. Yeah, it is. That's, well, and look at look at who's like right look at right who's after them too. And then Anthon, Josh Anthon coming in in ninth place at 18 down. So, that's that's quite a an old school uh group of four players right there. Some real OG disc golfers. For sure, and they're still doing work on a Heck on yeah. a, on a big course. Heck yeah. And then uh rounding out the top 10, we have three players tied uh for 10th place in Zach Melton. Devin Owens and Anthony Barella, who spent two rounds on the top card before getting, uh, you know, just kind of, I won't, I won't say falling apart, but he missed some some putts that, that caused him some strokes and also a bit of an, some OB trouble. Yep. That caused yep. him quite a bit that that had him drop out. But the talent is there, and really the things that you see to to criticize about his game. More have to do with maturity and and just no, he he puts laser beams all the time and yep. and maybe knowing when to to back off a tiny bit. Other than that, he's an extremely powerful player. Right, and I'm gonna tell you right now, uh, he's gonna be in the next year or two. Just because we're gonna see him more and he'll be on more courses, he's gonna be in that conversation when we talk about yeah. the longest yeah driving like pros. He is he showed it off. He showed yep. off, and he, um, he was right there with Eagle. He was right there with with Rick, with Paul, crushing, crushing drives. Yeah, really. I just like the whole that that Rick got the hundred foot Eagle. He was parked. AB was parked, absolutely parked. Yeah, so he went, like you know, seventy five feet further <laughs> to the basket than yeah, Rick did, than the world champ. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just yeah. They, disc golf's future is so bright with these young players out there. Whether whether it's uh, you know, Barella or or Eagle or these guys, or even Proctor, which he, like we don't talk yeah, about. Like even Proctor, there's so many 
awesome players out there just just brimming with talent. It's so much fun to watch, and we can't wait to see them develop like Simon and Eagle have and see which one of them right. really... The, really, the, the difference is between those players and Paul and Ricky is that killer putting instinct. Yep. When Once you see that develop, that's when you get a champion. So it's it's... I don't really see it as like which one of these players is is going to, you know, look at all this talent, which one's going to be next. It's which one is going to develop that champion putting killer instinct because that's what wins. That was such a good video game. Did <laughs> you ever play it? Yeah. yeah. I had like a Nintendo 64 or Super <laughs> Nintendo. Dude, I played so much Killer Instinct. So, as we've stated in previous pods, I I'm not the biggest video Oh right, you weren't allowed. Dude, I just, uh, you know, I played a ton of Zelda. Crap ton of Zelda. Yeah, like in college. No, no, in 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 uh in high school and and you know before that too. Right. I I, I rolled hard on some Zelda. Like Killer Instinct was the first game that I could beat my brother in yeah. regularly. So like I'm it was my jam. Really sad that I I haven't been able to play in the, any of the the latest iterations of of Zelda. So I'm I I see the videos and I you need to get a switch, dude. I'm really I do. I you really need to get a switch. Support your own cause. I know. I I gotta do it. You do. It just has to happen. Oh, dude! If you had a Switch this weekend, oh man, we could have all played Switch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry for the super like <laughs> hardcore tangent uh, talking about Killer Instinct. No, I really have to. There's, there's just no, yep, there's no excuse. Yep, I just, it just has to happen. So, so, anyways, uh, talking about picks, we both won because we both picked Paige nope, Pierce. Nope, all right, nope, Paige. No, we're not talking about Paige Pierce. Listen, like destroying FPO. We will. We will. Well, why don't we talk about? There's something more important than women. Wow, right, Robin. Joe. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll hit the FPO first, since since you were obviously delaying the beatdown that was. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was our picks this last week, because I straight up raged. I'm pretty positive we both said if Paige plays, she will win. We did. We did. And she did say that. played, and she Christ. destroyed. Oh my god! So Paige Pierce shot eight down or sorry 10 down on on the on the tournament and is the only player in red on on the pga fpo side. course results fpo so page shot 18 strokes better than current world champion valerie jenkins who shot a plus eight followed by katrina allen at plus nine and sarah hokum at plus 12 and then it drops off even further to Jessica Weiss at plus 21. And it just keeps going after that. But Paige Pierce shooting 18 strokes better. I mean, she's just on another planet. Yep. I, there's just no way around it. And on top of that, the FPO coverage that is on Jomez with Paige and Madison Walker is some of the best FPO footage I've ever watched. Number one, not only because... You have Paige just crushing the entire time, but the commentary was really excellent. But with with Paige and and Madison, they did an excellent job. Their commentary was interesting. It was insightful. They were comfortable with each other. I had I had no complaints, and really, I want more. It was yeah, it was great. I I was extremely entertained, and it just goes to show what what some knowledgeable. Uh, commentary can bring to something like that especially with that fpo coverage that 
clearly doesn't get as much attention as the as the male players get. Having that that great insight from a player like that, I think, really helps and and helps to promote the ladies of the sport. So, without a doubt, I was I was stoked to see that and and really surprised at at what a what great quality it was. I I know she doesn't do that for for a living. She's been on the podcast with with dynamic discs and things like that. She's probably getting more comfortable with it. Yeah, but and that, with the uh, our disc golf, which yeah is now That's gone true. again i think it, it comes and goes yeah but i i think that that maybe going forward having like some some sexton and, and page type commentary like you could get some really really excellent combinations with having putting page with some of these other players that we love hearing commentary well, some of them some the, it's just <clears throat> they're great they know the game they know what they're doing you find the right people and and it works like even even Paul is kind of dry, but yeah. he it works really well. Coling is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Sexton is fantastic. Yep. Uh, Yuli is great. If they know the game and they're like semi likable people, it rolls. Yep. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I don't, and I, and I love you, but I don't think Rick would be the best. We'll just leave it there. Yeah, and I'm not sure Rick has cut out for for uh, a play-by-play or or even a color role on there. I, he has come a long way. He totally has. In in his, you know, ability to interview and answer questions and And he talked about like it last that. year that he that was a thing that he was really working on was like yeah. <laughs> interview skills which was needed and I'm really stoked that he And it has been a significant recognized improvement that, without so, a doubt. But yeah, I don't know that we'll be seeing seeing much of that. But you know who knows. Right. Maybe he'll surprise us. He's he's certainly capable of, of learning all kinds of things and and uh, but you know what? For now, we're just we're just getting pumped for worlds. Yep, yep. It's... Rick, the best uh, spin putter in the game. <laughs> That's for you, Spencer. You're wrong. <laughs> Rick is easily the best push putter in the world, and it's not even really close. No, no. Like that is the example of. A push putt. Yeah. If if you're looking to learn how to push putt, watch Rick in slow motion and just cry a little bit because you're just it's you're not gonna get there. He can push putt from eighty feet at what most of us would be standing in an approach stance. No nose down the entire way. Yeah. Nose down the entire way, yet still gliding. Yep. And then crashing high in the chains super hard and somehow staying in. I, it's just, it's, it's really almost unexplainable. Yeah. How, how amazing it is. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Trademark that. Weird. Tra- I just came with no. that. That's almost as bad as Saki Bomb. I don't dislike the Saki <laughs> Bomb. I'm not going to lie. You know, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put this out there because I've, I've hinted to it in the past, but my problem with the Saki Bomb thing is it's obviously a, you know, a a relation to the drink, the sake yeah. bomb. I don't think Rick drinks. No, Rick Rick turned twenty one in Japan uh-huh. and had sake bombs in Japan. But like, is that the last time he had, maybe? But he's had, had, a, had a sake bomb, so he's had at least a sake bomb. I just you know I, I mean you've got this this logo that just because he's not like us and has one sake bomb then is like like at every let bowl. me get four more <laughs> let me get four more <laughs> like stack can you just line them up no. 
How fast can I knock I just, these down? You know, I, I, I'll, I'm willing to be proven wrong on this one. I actually kind of want to be, but right. Oh, what if we went to a tournament and uh, he like, like, uh, beer fest grabbed you by the <laughs> collar and chugged in your face? I, I, I'd be so down that, for that would that would be a, a life highlight. I just, I just feel like having your brand based on a a drink where you drop sake into Japanese beer and then chug it. I feel like there's not enough enough like chugging in people's faces. I get it. Like Heiser bomb and sake and his name and all that sort of stuff. But it makes total sense. And the logo is sweet. I don't know why you hate it so much. I just, you know, it's just, it's just me. I'm I'm listen. He just got you a win and picks. I'm going to stop hating him. Listen, I picked him and I'm happy about that, but I'm going to be a crab about this. I just, I don't, I don't know. It's rubbed me the wrong way from from the beginning. But listen, Ridiculous is gold. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't uh, don't ruin don't don't ruin this honest. one. Don't ruin this I one. I think I'd rather have a shirt, a sake bomb shirt. Actually, hundred percent. Like hundred percent. Commentary, commentary. That'll be like my my line. That putt was ridiculous. Yeah, you've said it way too many times already. It's getting no, worse. no. Comedy gets better if I say it. If I say it like thirty more times during the podcast, it'll be hilarious by the end. Please don't do that. But if I stop now, then it's just God, lame. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I, I'm begging you right now. Please. Uh, Listen, no guarantees. I love sake bomb. It's my favorite. No guarantees. <laughs> no guarantees. Rick is killing it. Can I get like on social media, people? Can we just get some like hashtag ridiculous? No. Thank you. No. I appreciate you. You know what that sounds You're like? You're good people. That sounds like a like a WWE like wrestling type thing. Like where I think it like, sounds more like a uh, a watching YouTube videos on MTV show type thing. Could be that too. Could easily be that. Yeah, it does sound ridiculous. You're right. <laughs> yeah. I think you're thinking ridiculousness with with that skateboarder. Right. Uh, no, I think is it that, sounds similar to that, but I think ridiculous is uh, way better when you're talking about like that... crazy putts. Like that was ridiculous. No, you keep saying it; it's not working. It's better. totally worth it, dude. It's money. It's yeah. money. We're gonna you're, we're gonna find out when this drops. Everyone's oh. gonna let us know how awesome uh, my coming up with cool slogans is. I mean, you you are good at it. I I've heard you do it many times before. This time. <laughs> I, I think I already know what our rating is going to be for our dear I mean, review. First of all, like the, having the the Rick Dick part and the like Richard, I just did this too much going on there. Whoa, you made it weird. It I never didn't. needed to be weird. It That's was what clean. It, sounds and, like. it was clean and wholesome, and then you got weird. <laughs> Typical Robin. <laughs> Typical Robin. <laughs> what about it? Could be like Wysoculus? No, that's weird too. <laughs> that like doesn't even have no. <laughs> But mine makes total sense. You're tripping. You're tripping. I just, I just don't know. I can't. I got nothing. All right, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. Where were we? Did we finish up the the Beaver State playing? Oh uh, yeah, you won picks. So let's go. Oh, I Moving did. on. We we do need to mention that because at the beginning of our podcast outline for this entire year, I've had the the same phrase that says, "Joe wins picks again," and finally. This year, I think for maybe the first time. I think there was one other one. I, I had one other like sympathy win where it was kind of close, but but I, I got the nod because Joe was feeling bad for me. Pretty, I think that's pretty much exactly what happened. And this time, I finally got it. It was really came down to just Rick versus Paul. Like, had Paul held on, Joe would have won. Yeah, had had Paul like not pooped. said, you know what, I'm 
45 feet out. I'm just going to throw it at the pin and then I'll just tap it in. Mm-hmm. Like did that one time. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. won. So it's not like it was a commanding victory, but, no. but Rick brought home the bacon and I'm excited to finally be on the board. It's, I it's just, pretty ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I'm a little choked up. Because it's important to me. Are you sure you don't just have a little bit of gas from yeah, your that's beverages? Like more that's, I mean, that's mainly what's happening, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, but that won't. Re- you can't do anything with that till next podcast when you get to pick yeah, worlds. That that I'm excited about to pick. You know, get my first choice of the fourth place player. Even though you're picking first, I just want to remind you one more time: you can pick Rick in the top four. Okay, that's great. Good just to making know. sure. I plan to. I of course you planned it. I I know you said it like it's like this crazy thought or like uh, it was kind of maniacal how you said that. But yes, of course he's going to be in the top four. That would be ridiculous for you to not pick him in the top let's, four. Let's just what would you put the odds of someone other than Rick or Paul winning worlds? Like if you had to if you had to bet on it, what what odds would you actually take? I'm going to be totally honest right now. I'm not good at odds. Okay. I hear them all the time. And I'm like, Fair I enough. don't really, I kind of get it, but I don't. Okay. So let, I'll put it in a simple, in a, in a, a more simple way. If you had $10 to bet, <laughs> how much of that $10 would you put on the field versus Rick and Paul? So like you could put I, I $9 think... on Rick and Paul winning. Do you put one on, on, I, on I'd, the field? I would put eight. Eight? On the field or eight? no? On Rick and Paul winning. Um, so you'd put two whole dollars on? No, hell no. I'd put like twenty five cents. You got Rick and Paul. I think there's a. I think there's a twenty percent chance that someone other than those really? two. That's interesting. Could take it. It just takes having an awesome tournament, which they do all the time. But Eagle can do it. There's yeah. There's I mean, I agree who, who that can, they can, but I don't know that I would say twenty percent chance. I mean, just like Germ with USDGC last year, like. Mm-hmm. No, I you're you're totally right. I I I agree. I just I'm not that confident on that. I I feel like like this is going to come down to Rick and Paul, and there's there's almost nothing else. I you mean, know, you hear people talking like Michael Johansson and wooded courses and in Georgia and stuff like that, and that being his jam, and that's not untrue at all. But but he man, also has I he just, also has one NT to his. Yeah, I don't think that I man. I, I honestly, I have ten dollars to bet. I'm putting a quarter on the field and and nine seventy five on Paul and Rick. All right. So cool. And, and I don't want to. I I would split that up, but I don't reveal want to reveal my my picks for next week. Yeah. Or this week, since we're gonna like in a, we're gonna in record that days. in like two days. But yeah, um, I think I know where you're leaning, and I'm probably similar. Spoiler. Rut row. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be Rut fine. Row. We might have to go to the, the third and fourth picks as the, the tie break. We might have to. Uh, yeah, right. which is fine. Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Um, you know, maybe maybe some crazy stuff happens. Without a doubt. Some Tanya Harding type situation. Don't You can't like say that because if something does happen, like it goes right back to you. Well, I mean, clearly that wouldn't be the case because I have no ill will against any single... I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, like, just, don't just don't put it out there. Just like, saying, you know. It's all about. It's all about you sometimes. know. Just you know, get get your own back. Don't <laughs> don't say that's like joking when you walk into the airport. I have a bomb. <laughs> that's not true. 
Come on. I mean, it's not that drastic, but <laughs> it is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I can't believe you just... I think because you hate it so much, like, it is just now part of my being. Like, I'm sorry that's where it lives now. <laughs> All right. I guess, I guess I have no choice but to ignore it till it goes away. I think that's the only... Oh, it's here to stay. <laughs> I think that's the only way to go. And I think the best way to, to move on from this is to get to our deer review. Our world famous disc and beer pairing where we take a disc, we take a beer, we review them both and let you know whether you should bring it on the course. Tonight, we have the Latitude 64 Ballista, which is a Speed 14 Glide 4. Uh, turn of minus 0.5 and a fade of zero. And then we have Sierra Nevada's Hop Wait, Hunter. you said a fade of zero, not a fade of four. I did? Oh, sorry. Yeah, a fade, fade of four. four. My bad. No no, no worries. And then we have Sierra Nevada's Hop Hunter, which is an American IPA, a alcohol by volume of 6.2%, a very hoppy IPA. Joe, where do you want to start? Um, I just want to start by quickly saying I, I think the 6.2 is totally right, but I think the numbers for the ballista are totally wrong. I was I was saying the same thing and may have alluded to it in my uh, slip of the fade. Well, it's not a fade zero, but it's definitely not a fade four. Let's start there. Let's start with the disc. Um, I will say that those numbers... Can you, can you first uh, put the... Uh, the caveat out that this is a a Joe disc. Oh yeah, I think that's important. Oh yeah, it's a it's a wide rim, it's a wide rim high speed driver. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, I th- I mean, and the beer is six point two and a hoppy IPA. Like this is just a Joe review. I think <laughs> that's kind of understood at this point in time. So, anyways, I wish the name Joe and ridiculous went together. And oh, you mean Rick ridiculous? Yeah. Because that would be that would be great, but it doesn't. No, good. So, nice try, Robin. I'm not you're, gonna force it. You're really na- you're really nailing it. <laughs> so, the ballista. I mean, I could kind of see the 14. I guess actually, what it really, where I really want to start. I did have an opto. So what we threw were gold line. We've thrown the gold line the most. The opto and the gold line are very different in my mind and maybe it was just the opto that i had and subsequently lost but the the opto that i had was similar to those numbers i could get it to flip and turn a little bit and then come back gold line totally different so once i lost my opto i picked up a gold line like actually a used gold line at the shady oaks store and it was very understable. So once I had that, I figured, you know, I guess I got one. It was way more beat in than I thought. So I purchased another one, figuring I'd have to like spend a lot of time wearing it in. But my brand new bliss is not that far from the used one that I purchased. Um, once they get beat in, for me, I can I can pretty much turn over a blista in in calm wind, which means headwind is no bueno. Like I wouldn't ever pull out a ballista for headwind, but it is a pretty neat disc. I would say if I were to give it numbers, 
I would probably call it a 13, four, maybe even four and a half. Like I get a lot of glide out of it. I would, I would crank that turn up to like a minus two and then the fade down to like a two and a half or a three. Got it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm similar. I was thinking 12 speed even and four glide I think is fine. And turn is definitely more of like a minus two and fade is I'd say two. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not a huge fade. To be honest, it, it, you can get pretty straight lines with a pretty high-speed disc on there, and I don't think that it at 14 speed that those numbers represent that. So I, having thrown yours and seen the way you use them, I, I definitely think that these are a little bit off, and I'm not sure right. where where some of that comes from. But the gist of it is is that it is a high-speed understable high glide distance driver right which makes it a excellent kind of attainable distance throwing disc for for most people it makes it a great tailwind driver Mm -hmm. it makes it a great disc for throwing uphill it makes it a great disc for throwing kind of an anise or turnover turnover shot it's really a pretty pretty versatile disc and i I can see why right yes i shouldn't spoil it well i'm gonna spoil it because i feel like that's kind of the thing so all of those things robin just said i bag blistas and that's why i i bag them yep um it is so i used to bag rampages and i feel like it's pretty much the same flight path as a rampage but less fade like that's kind of what moved me to a ballista was i could throw those big uh turnover s lines but not have this huge fade that that skipped away at the end. But I use it uh, in big uphill. I'll throw it flat and let it turn. Um, in a tailwind with big distance, I'll throw it flat or maybe even with some Anheuser and let it hook up and come back. But without a doubt, it is my... If we're in open field and we were pulling out the disc that we wanted to get our max distance with, I would pull out... A, a gold line blister. Yeah. Like that's, it's my max distance disc. And, and I don't think um, there's long. really anything that I have that I currently bag that really compares to the distance that I'm getting out of blister. But like I said, it's understable. So mm-hmm. if I've got a headwind, I'm not messing with it. Yep. Um, tailwind is great. No wind is fine. If there's a lot of space, like you can't get a tight shot with it. It needs a lot of, a lot of room to move to turn, to hook up and come back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm throwing max distance at a target, like I'm going to start to the left of the target with my throw on the hyzer mm-hmm. and let it flip and turn file and come back. Unless it's uphill. I've seen you throw yeah, some, totally. some pretty straight lines on, on uphill shots. but uh, yeah. It's it's a hyzer flip machine, which I love too, because I throw everything mm-hmm. hyzer and it's really like the straighter I want it to go, the more hyzer I put on it out of my hand i mean a really appropriate name for a disc too. having having something that's a long-range projectile being launched like that totally it's it's pretty much dead on so i i mean the ballista i i've thrown it a good amount it it's not necessarily something that i keep around all the time but i do see the value in it and it is a very fast disc and it does get a ton of glide and you get some real distance out of it so yeah yeah so you know you hear me talk about uh cracking that 400 foot marker 
it it was either I either do it with a rampage or a ballista. Like that's without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if if we're in a field and I'm throwing my bag, I'm gonna get probably an easy 15 feet more than any of my other discs with a ballista, as long as I don't turn it over into the ground as soon as I let go of it. <laughs> which which has happened on the course, and it sucks. It could. I mean, the overall, the ballista is is an excellent understable kind of counterpart. So if yeah. you're you're a trilogy thrower, or you're looking for kind of a uh, a a high speed understable driver, maybe even a roller or or for distance lines, the ballista is definitely definitely your disc. Right, and like I said, um, and, and I could be totally wrong, but in my experience. Gold line is way less stable than Opto. So if you're looking for those big turnover shots right away, I would go with a gold line. If you want something that's going to be a little more stable and you want, you know, to take your time and, and slowly beat in, it'll probably, you know, hold that beat longer too. I would, I would go with an Opto, but uh, it's, it's pretty neat. So let's talk about the beer so, before we, well, hold on. Oh, go I got one other question okay. for you. Cause, cause you throw the trespass also. Yes, and in kind of a similar speed range and and uh, that sort of thing. Now, just quickly explain the you've done it partially, but just the difference in when you use those two discs. Yeah, they, for some people, especially in a lower power range, they could seem similar. So right, so uh, that's where I don't think it's a twelve speed because it's definitely faster out of my hand than a trespass. Got it. And I think a trespass is is definitely a clean twelve. So I could see the 13. I could maybe even see the 14. It, it gets out of my, my hand faster. It turns more mm-hmm. than my trespass, but um, I, I know it's going to go further. It's going to stay up in the air longer. Mm-hmm. It's going to have a longer turn um, and then hook up and come back. So, I, I mean, I guess it's really based on distance that I would switch between a trespass mm-hmm. and a ballista. Um but even like my fresh opto trespass, I would probably trust in like a slight headwind more than either one of my ballistas. Interesting. So well, I mean that makes sense. Yeah. To be so honest. so I would I would because um, I think like the trespass is a minus one. I don't think it's a two. It's not. No. It's not no. that understable. I'm not rolling the trespass every time. Um, it's turning and moving, but the the ballista is more understable. So if I have room, if I have a lot of room, and I'm trying. To really, really get out there, I'm going to pull out a ballista. Yeah. You know, and even in like a slight headwind, if I have a lot of room, I'll probably still just rock it, on, it a on a way more drastic hyzer. Um, it's just, it, you need, need to have the right setting to use it. Whereas a trespass, I'll use a lot more when I don't have as much room or if there's just some variable that I'm unsure about. I'll pull out a trespass and throw it because I, I can trust it a little bit more than mm-hmm. than a ballista. So it's a, but it's a, it's a longer, less stable trespass. And that's that's probably my experience with with the two of them too. Having thrown both of those now for the for the podcast, I can rip on the trespass about as hard as I possibly can, and I know I'm not going to get a roller. Right. I might get a turnover. I might get you know uh, you know especially a poor form type thing. If I throw the trespass with good form as hard as I want, it'll just fly straight 
mm-hmm. for days and then fade out a little bit at the end. Right. The ballista, on the other hand, you can get some pretty significant turn out of it mm-hmm. uh, and and shape some some different lines. So I, I see that value in it too. When you're when you're looking to shape a long Anheuser, that's definitely a disc you could do it with. No, totally, and that's what I would pull out too for like a big a big Annie. It would be this disc, but this is also one that if I was trying to just pump something straight down the middle, and I tried to rip, you know, even in still wind, even like maybe even a tailwind, if I ripped it as hard as I could flat, and then say I was just a little bit off, and there was a slight amount of Annie on that, like it's it's gone. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Got it's it. going right. It's not coming back. Mm-hmm. It's probably gonna be like the grossest roller where it like <laughs> it hits right an angle and just dies out like a little gross cut. It's like that. Like it's not enough to just get on the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just a little dirty. Those so yeah, any any um like dirty wind, headwind or like a a a rut. Well, just headwind with a cross. I've actually depending on the the side of the cross. I would probably actually throw it and use that Heiser flip to kind of ride that wind. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's talk beer. Um, it's a 6.2 IPA that is hoppy and from Sierra Nevada. It's very good. You know, it's been a while since we've reviewed a Sierra Nevada beer. And they are they are admittedly a, a local beer to us, as is, you know, a lot of the beer. Right. But we also we went done. to school in Chico. Not necessarily all to Chico State, but uh, it's local. So Sierra Nevada Hop Hunter, which is a 6.2% alcohol American IPA. And the, the kind of uh, calling card for this beer is they they feature a, a very specific hop oil that is distilled from the hops itself and used in the beer, giving it a, a much more bitter kind of hop flavor. Um, and... That's not overly bitter. No, no, it's. Yeah. I'd say it's just very piney. Yes, yeah. Uh, that's probably the the biggest thing that that I notice about this versus versus any other one is that it's just a very clean kind of very very strongly piney flavor. Maybe a little bit of like like you know as usual with this style of beer, the citrus to it, but um, the kind of pine type flavor right. really comes strong in my. So opinion. so here's the thing though too. Um, so Sierra Nevada, going to Chico, a lot of their beers taste very similar. You know, like the pale ale was like the calling card. And I remember there was a long time, at least when we were in college, that it was kind of like, just like with like New Belgium, you could drink a New Belgium beer and be like, that's from New Belgium. There's yep. something about it. Uh-huh. There was the same thing with Sierra Nevada. But this is definitely like its own like unique, tasty, fresh IPA Yeah, that I think if I blind tasted, I might be like... I get a little bit of pale ale just because, mm-hmm. like, but it's it's definitely just a beautiful, well done. I think hoppy IPA for me the the thing that gives away the Sierra Nevada kind of flavor. Sierra Nevada tends to be kind of dry, mm. like all of their beers tend yeah. to have a little bit of a dry finish, and this one definitely is is no uh, no exception to that. So that that part definitely you know jumps out to me. Yeah, no, I think um, that's true. On your palate, just towards the end of it. It, it is very smooth. You get a little bit of of the citrus flavor to it. Maybe even a just a touch of sweetness. It's not not heavy by any means. It's it's more on the, on the bitter end. But yeah, but, um, the same kind of dryness that you would get from like fresh lemon or something like that is that what like you get from tart this beer. little yeah yeah yeah. So uh, really smooth 
drinkable IPA. Yeah, no, it's it's super hoppy. Um, with not a ton of bitter, the bitter is there, and for me, um, the amount the ABV works very well with the bitter. I think I've said it before, mm-hmm. like super bitter beer. If it's low ABV, I don't get the point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's 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 good. I mean, you know, At, you know. So six point two is also logging. Why drink sake if you're not going to bomb it, right? Right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so six point two is also where Lagunitas IPA lives, uh-huh. and I think it's definitely like a a different IPA. Absolutely. Which it should be. Um, but I feel like for me, it lives in the same world of like, that's just a good, mm-hmm. a good IPA that I wouldn't mind swooping. And this one hasn't been in my normal rotation, but I, you know, I, I'm not sure why, why? Yeah. I'm right uh, there too. You know, I, I think this might be, I think, uh, we had a friend who in the past worked for logging units and I think he gave us some at one, gave us some work at one point or another. Did I say logging units? Yeah. 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 We, we also, both. we, st- we have that too, uh, Anyway, so he works for Sierra Nevada, and I think he gave us some at some point. Gave us some at some point, but it didn't really stick in my mind. But it's it's tasty. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. it was a little bit. I mean, as I as I get a little bit more, this is actually the the first kind of full beer that I've drank of this right now on this podcast. So as the flavor is developing, I'm getting a little bit more. Um, yeah, me too. It, it, Joe's already finished one, <laughs> and I'm like a third done. But whatever. Um, I, I'm the more that I've had this, the the kind of fruity flavors are coming through a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, it's almost a little bit tropical, and the citrus is very strong. So, um, what I was first uh, calling piney might be more pine like, yeah. Was, was uh, is I get now that. feeling a lot more citrus, and really just uh, very enjoyable totally totally so i'm gonna move forward and i'm gonna say right now i've got a slight problem with sierra nevada Uh oh um one at this point in time and it could change at this point in time this does not come in 16 ounce cans and I, i i don't i believe it only comes in 12 ounce bottles where we are but the other thing that sierra nevada does which I don't love, uh, which there probably was a point in my life that I did love. And I think it was the greatest like invention ever where they come in, I think 25 ounce bottles are their Their bombers mm-hmm. are yeah. larger than average, which at some point I think I really dug. But now that I am fueled by bottle keeper, there's not one that fits in my bottle keeper. He's not actually fueled by bottle keeper. I'm not cause... fueled by bottle keeper, but I enjoy it. Um, it's a, product that we are not sponsored by no not at all and they probably won't sponsor us because the main reason that i like it is it hides my beer yeah um but check out bottlekeeper bottlekeeper.com they're cool they they (laughs) free plug free plug so anyways sierra nevada as far as i know this only is in 12 ounce glass bottles Mm -hmm. which i'm not a big proponent of rolling out tons of 12 ounce bottles on the course there's nothing worse than going anywhere and seeing broken glass. That's our main issue with... with uh, Hole 2 at De La is like broken glass mecca. Yeah. But I Did, feel like at this point, I feel like it started and someone just like, that's just that's the deal now. Like, that's just what it is. It's brutal. 
And in like the beach, things like that, you still see glass at the beach. Right. I just, I like. I like to go out and do things. I well, like to sand is technically just like, like rocks to... and glass that's been broken. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but that's you know Anyways. done naturally by right. the, the ocean and rivers. And, but is it? You know, not is it? Not by dudes crushing beers in the in the beach and leaving them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, slight difference. So, anyways, but twelve ounce bottles is not cool to roll with because for me, <clears throat> I'll be honest. If I'm playing a round of disc golf. I would need at least four of these, and that's a very conservative at least. And that's just too much glass clanking around in my bag. Yeah, I agree. Now, if they roll this out in the 16-ounce cans, like your torpedoes or your pale ale, I'm all about it. Yep. I might pick up a 25-ounce. I would prefer a 22 that could fit into my bottle keeper, but at this point, I probably would take like one or two. On the course, if I had it at my house and I just didn't want to stop and, and buy beverages, but it's not something that I would seek out to bring on the course. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, you know, I pretty much agree. I, I do think I'm going to give this no, the nod as a course beer because it is a nice, smooth IPA that kind of fits that profile. And from a taste standpoint, I got no reason to, to, to turn it down. So, right. I might, I but, might. Pull Shane's uh, status and like just fill up like a, a fancy insulated coffee yeah, mug full absolutely. of it, and then not bring the glass out. That might work. Yeah, yeah. But, no, it's a it's you know. it's very good. It's very good um, if you can find it, which you can, because Sierra Nevada distributes incredibly well. Get it. It's a great little IPA. It's a good. It's a very good to like starting to move up to the the Imperials and the doubles. Mm-hmm. You know. Getting used to the the big hops and the big flavor, but not uh, necessarily the eight and a half nine percent beers. It's it's tasty. I dig it. Yeah, I I agree. So what's uh, the verdict? I'm so <clears throat> I guess I'll we'll jump back to the disc for me. Obviously, I do not bag the ballista. I see. Robin doesn't bag. Robin bags two thirteen speed discs that are perfectly beat to where they need to be. For him to do what he needs to do, and he won't touch any others, pretty much, unless they uh, automatically go like four twenty-five, and he has no idea why, and just yes. has to do it, pretty much. Yeah, that's that, that's pretty much me and and discs over eleven speed. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just don't care. I have so many, but you know what? So I many can, discs over with, eleven speed, uh, with the exception of a select few discs, I can do the same exact thing with. A nine or ten speed disc that I can with a 13, 12, 13, 14 speed disc. True. So that's why I don't do it. Right. And for me, it's that's that's not that like as much as I uh, gushed a little bit over the FD. There's there's no way I could ever get an FD anywhere close to what I could put the ballista out on. Um. Very, very actually like a similar line though mm-hmm. between the two, but the ballista just w- is gonna gonna carry yeah. and go. Um, I carry two. I've got two in the bag. Uh, I I love the disc. It's definitely, you know the the stars need to align for me to pull it out and throw it. Um, I'll tell you right now at Dela, I pulled it out on a second throw, maybe twice because we were we were kind of backed up. We we're waiting for for Robin's brother <laughs> to climb a tree to help somebody out or, or whatnot. And I definitely put 
at least one big old bomb with a blister out at De La that I wish I would have thrown for my first throw. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a big boy disc if you're not really that that big. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're in the if you're in the three. 360 to 390 range and competent and you you know have a somewhat clean consistent release it's definitely worth at least checking out if you're going above that if you're consistently like at the four you know say like 415 i would say check out an opto ballista Mm -hmm. just like i said in my experience it's a little beefier it's not going to be a, it's not beef. Headwind's going to kill you if you mess with it there. But I mean, I, I like the disc. I really do. Um, it's, 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 it's a mainstay, but I, I love all my big rim, crazy speed discs. Yeah. Yeah. And so no, no ballista for me. Right. Beer. I'm, I'm all in on, I'm, I'm I think I'm, it. I think I'll, I'll say, I'll say yes. All I'll right. say yes. Um, Sierra Nevada, if you're listening, please put Hot Punter in a can. All right. Like, you do that. 16-ounce cans. 16-ounce ounce cans. and I'm, I'm down for that. You know what? Even 12-ounce even cans. Like, I'll, I'll yeah. fill up the top of my bag with a six-pack of these and be okay with that. Um, it's a good coarse beer. It's not too much. It's just enough. Yeah. I like it. All right. So, that's... Uh, th- I'm the only naysayer. I said no to the ballista. That, you need to... Th- listen. I don't got space for that. You you need to throw this particular like beat in I, gold I line. Have... You need to throw it more. You need to throw it more though. I'm just saying, I think I don't, I don't, I don't got. It's not gonna do what 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 I already got in there. Well, so let's just you know. We'll see. We won't see. <laughs> but maybe you'll have like a form breakthrough where you just like add twenty five feet, and then uh, it's on. Lose twenty five pounds, add twenty five. <laughs> right, <feet. laughs> lose twenty five pounds. Uh, have children that all like have like the same sleep schedule yeah. and like can take care of themselves. Like once your oldest can take care of the youngers and they're like somewhat like up human beings. Like I feel like distance is just gonna come. Yeah, well, we'll see. That's that could be a long ways away. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We're. Uh, I, I was gonna say we're relatively young, but I don't know what that'd be relative to. Yeah. To grandmasters, we're relatively young. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's there's time. There's time. There's time. Plenty of time. So, what's your verdict? What what are we calling this one? I mean, I want to call it ridiculous, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I really want to call it that, but it wasn't really. <laughs> How would? But if you did, it's ridi- why? ridiculous that you don't give the blister more of a chance. All right, fair enough. That counts. <laughs> All right, then yeah, that's the rating. <laughs> It's ridiculous that it's only three out of four, not four out of four. I got no problem with that. (laughs) Oh, somebody's coming around. I'm not, but it's just. Is this your attempt to just ignore it and be like, ah, it's great? I'm enjoying it. It's terrific. I really love it. It's a great. I feel like there's a little sarcasm there, but I'm just going to roll with it. No, absolutely not. I I really think it's it's a great thing you've come up with there, and and, uh, in no way am I being condescending. It's not. It's not what I do. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I'm all into. Perfect. <laughs> so that is our dear review, as always, brought to you by InfiniteDisc.com, which we have a promo code, 
that you can get 5% off on your next order, which is DGPOD5, number 5. And uh, that'll get you 5% off your next order. And and listen, I'm not going to go into a whole spiel. If you don't know what InfiniteDisc.com is, just type it in and you'll know. It's awesome. Yeah. Best disc golf retailer on the planet. Pictures of every single disc and the weight. You get to choose it. No more adding notes in your order or asking for a weight range or a color or a stamp. You get to look at exactly what you want and order it directly from them. So help us support the podcast. Use code DGPOD5 and uh, get your next order from InfiniteDisc.com. Right. And I think to finish out this finish out this episode, we have one more ace call-in. We do. And we also should say that we called out the Slammer uh, giveaway on the last episode, but we're actually going to do that on the Worlds episode that'll come out in a couple days. Right. So that, that'll get announced on, on the next one. But so. I do also want to make one more call out. Phil and Nate, so Santos and Panda, y'all both got aces on Friday, and I did not get a call on the Raptor range. Yep. So you guys need to figure that out and get those calls in. 707-939-5476. Give us a call, and everyone else can call too with ace stories, with questions, with just fun disc golf stories. Um, maybe you want to call and be like, Joe, Ridiculous is gold. You nailed it. Uh, which is obvious, but I think Robin needs more I mean, proof of that. Highly likely voicemail at this point. <clears throat> I feel like you're still being condescending. No, no, I'm being supportive. <laughs> if this is how you support your wife, that's not okay. <laughs> it it's not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Crap. someone just got put in a pickle. I may have uh, been messing up some things lately. <laughs> Well, that explains why we had to jet back from Daylaw so quick. Yeah, that's that's exactly why. So for everyone that was at Daylaw, you now know why I had to leave right. so quickly. But so that was the other thing, which I think the re. So we were gonna record last week and we didn't. Then we were gonna do it at Daylaw, but we we're having too much fun. But I do want to point out, and I think a lot of our listeners will understand this. We had to bide our time. We had to get those good points in. To make that weekend happen. There were some high stakes negotiations. Yes. So there was a reason that that last Wednesday recording didn't make sense. And it was all for disc golf. Yep. It was. It was. It was all for Father's Day Live. Totally. For our families. Because we love them. I love you, honey. She's not listening. Well, I mean, somebody might be that could tell her. And, you know, I love you, honey. Yeah, they're not. But still, good job. Good job. Yeah. Just getting that out. Um, so usually I do like a big social media hit, but I it's we're changing things up. We are. Go to throwstuffatstuff.com. Yes. Simply throwstuffatstuff.com. If you want to check us out on anything, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff, you can find it all right there. It's at the bottom of every single page. I've- Join our Slack group. We're almost 200 strong. Yeah. It's rolling. We give away discs on that. Unfortunately, I'm going to be honest right now, I'm not giving away a ballista. Yeah, yeah. They they go in my point. bag. If we're to get another one to review for some other reason, that will also go into my bag. <laughs> I'm just I'm being I'm being honest. I'm being honest. Uh, th- that's where it lives. And if we get another one, maybe I'll finally talk Robin into fitting into his bag. But yeah, throw stuff at stuff dot com. All of our social media hits are linked at the bottom of every page. We also have a link to our Slack group, which is a uh, communication app that we have created. A 
awesome disc golf community on and it is terrific. We've got lots of people on there from all different places creating communities for their local areas and asking questions, posting pictures of their mail calls, all kinds of stuff all day long. And all you have to do is go to our website. There's a link in the main navigation that says join Slack. You put your email in and you'll get you right in. So uh, hit it. Yeah. So one other thing. Um we're gonna we're gonna plead just a little bit. Give us a, a review. You know, go on to iTunes. Check us out. Obviously, you already have. Give us a review. Give us some stars. Whatever. Let us know what you like. If you don't like something, I don't want to hear it. No, I'm just joking. Let us know. Um, that actually really helps as we go forth and try and get sponsors or maybe you know some plastic that we end up giving away or maybe even some beer that is all good stuff that that helps us do that but also just makes us feel good yeah we like seeing it throw five stars on itunes we love it thank you so much for listening we're going to close you out with another call from our raptor ring but in the meantime enjoy your week hopefully you get out there and have some time to throw stuff itself Hey, Joe and Robin, this is Alex from Ohio. Wanted to give you an ace for the Raptor range. I've been playing seriously for about a year, and in the past three months have had three aces. The first one was a cry in your soup, solo, no witness ace. Second ace was very appropriate for the podcast. I was on a business trip to Alabama, went out playing, and skipped a, uh, skipped a felon into the basket at about 250 feet, still by myself, still crying in my soup. Most recent ace, last week, me and my buddy out at the course. There's a nine-hole course by my work. We were out for lunch, and uh, hole one is about 260 feet. There's a dog leg right through the woods. It was a forehand hole that I could never even birdie. I'd always bogey. And uh, as the leaves fell and my form got better, I realized that you could chuck a huge hyzer up through the leaves uh, through a different route. And last Wednesday, I chucked my world on a big hyzer. There was a crosswind. It went up. It went down. Went into the woods. I turned around. Thought it was a pretty good shot, and we heard chains. It was kick ass. Thanks, guys.